What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Amy's y poco más. El segundo día ya te vas soltando con los phrasal verbs. El tercer día pides la comida como un gentleman o una lady. El cuarto día das un speech con el acento de la reina de Inglaterra. El quinto día recita Shakespeare con gracia y soltura. El sexto día ya piensas en inglés. ¿Y el séptimo día qué? ¿Descansas? No, no. Al séptimo día ya estás de vuelta en casa con un nivel de inglés mucho mejor. Ven a Vaughan Town, un lugar en el que seis días equivalen a 500 horas de clase de inglés. Vivirás en un entorno 100% angloparlante en el que tenemos un gran número de actividades para que desarrolles tu inglés, te sueltes y te olvides de la timidez. Vence a la vergüenza en Vaughan Town y mejora tu nivel de inglés. Llama ahora al 91-133-5833 o entra en grupovaughan.com. Las mañanas son más productivas con Richard Vaughan. You're listening to Richard Vaughan Live. Hello and welcome. All right, Friday. Finally, my God, today's Friday, right, Nacho? Yeah, today's Friday. Yeah. Okay, finally, my God, I've been waiting all week. I've been waiting all week. I've been counting the days. Monday and then the the following day was Tuesday as usual. It siempre pasa así. Tuesday always follows Monday. It's never. I don't remember at any point in my life in which it was different, in which we skipped. Tuesday. You know, maybe next week we could say, let's skip Tuesday altogether. Altogether means completely. Let's just, let's just skip Tuesday. Why not? I, I hereby declare next Tuesday non-existent. Yes, Tuesday is the cruelest day. You're already tired after Monday and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is Friday. It's too far away. So I hereby declare next Tuesday non-existent. Non-ineoene. -ine. Guion, existent. Non-existent means it doesn't exist. I, but hereby, hereby, here, como aquí, by, 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 hereby. Hereby means por el presente, por la presente. Por la presente, declaro. I hereby declare. Next Tuesday, non-existent. So next, let's enjoy it. Let's just enjoy a shorter week next week. But, uh, Let's see, next week, I think, is the last week of February. Is that correct? Yeah, today is the 18th, uh, which means Monday is the 21st. And it will go from the 21st, and so 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, and so Friday is the 25th. Nope. 
Monday the 28th. That's, that'll be the last day of the month, the month of February. There are 28 days in February. How many days have, how many months have 28 days? Yeah, not sure. How many months have 28 days? Do you know? Yeah. How many? All of them, correct. All of them have 28 days. 11 of them have even more than 28. And every four years, even February has more than 28. Every four years. But uh, welcome to Friday's edition. As I said, we have every reason in the world to celebrate the fact. We have every reason in the world. Se dice esa expresión en inglés. Tenemos cada razón en el mundo. Literalmente, todas las razones del mundo. We have every reason in the world. That means, it means, it's as clear as a beautiful blue sky uh, that we can celebrate. So we have every reason in the world to celebrate uh, because uh, we have a weekend just around the corner. <clears throat> now, Richard, yeah, uh, what plans do you have for this weekend? I have big plans for this weekend, really big plans. Oh, yeah? Well, could you uh, share those plans with us? Well, why should I? Why should I? Should I? Die is morir, no? Die? No. <clears throat> Why should I? Why should I? Why should you what? Why should I share my plans with you? <clears throat> because you're talking, you're, you're, you're on the radio, you're talking to people about the big plans you have this weekend, and then you're not going to, in, after all of these preliminaries, after, you know, Arming up the audience, you're not going to reveal what plans you have for the weekend? Well, why should I? You owe it to your audience. I owe it to my audience. Yes, after preparing your audience psychologically, you're talking about the big plans you have for this weekend. I'm sure all of the listeners are just super curious. They really want to find out. They want to know, you know, what is what is waiting just around the corner for the, your for your weekend. So everybody is anxious to know. Everybody is anxious to know. Ansiosos por saber. Everybody is eager to know. Escrito eager, que es una es estar ansioso por algo pero sin sufrir ansiedad. <laughs> anxious, anxious could imply psychological anxiety. Eager, no. I'm eager. I'm eager to do things this weekend means I'm looking forward. Estoy esperando con muchísima ilusión. Frontándome las manos. Aha, this weekend, I'm rubbing my hands together, just thinking this weekend. Yes, finally I'll be free from five days of drudgery. Excuse me, five days of what? Five days of drudgery. You see, well, four days. I mean, it's only 7.36 in the morning right now. So this final day of drudgery. Oh, excuse me, Richard, what? <clears throat> Can I ask you a question? Sure, shoot, anything. Whatever. Anything, whatever. You can ask me a question. You can ask me all the questions you want. Uh, what does drudgery mean? And how do you spell it? Uh, drudgery. <clears throat> Let's see to spell drudgery. I don't think I've ever written this word in my life. It's a word we usually talk about. Drudgery. I think it's D-R-U-D-G-E-R-Y. Drudgery. 
What does it mean? What does drudgery mean? What does drudgery mean? Lo que no decimos en inglés, ojo. A lot of Spanish people, when they speak English, they say, ¿Qué significa drudgery? Y dicen, what does it mean drudgery? Aquí estás repitiendo dos veces el sujeto, uno como pronombre y otro como nombre. What does it mean drudgery? No se dice en inglés. Hay que insertar la palabra en medio. What does drudgery mean? What does drudgery mean? How do you say drudgery in Spanish? Uh, drudgery is a trabajo penoso, arduo, pesado, aburrido, con, con monotonía. It's drudgery. You know, like Sisyphus. Don't you remember Sisyphus? Remember who? Sisyphus. What, what, who, what? What does Sisyphus mean? No, Sisyphus is the name of a person. A person? Sisyphus. I've never heard of Sisyphus. Who is Sisyphus? Uh, Sisyphus was or is, because Sisyphus is immortal. Hombre, nadie es inmortal. Uh, Don Quixote is immortal. Immortal. Sancho Panza is immortal. Don't you agree? Captain Ahab from Moby Dick is immortal. And some actual living people, Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, these people are immortal in the minds of people. And Sisyphus is immortal too. Yes, but who is Sisyphus? And why are you talking about Sisyphus? Sisyphus is a Greek, well, is a character from Greek mythology. Greek what? Mythology. A la mitología. Nordic or Greek? Greek mythology. Sisyphus is a character. Un carácter? No, un personaje. Character. The word character has three meanings. El carácter de una persona, su temperamento y personalidad es carácter. También caracteres como letras. In the, on the computer, the characters. And then finally, un personaje de teatro, de cine, de... Or de la mitología griega. So you have the Greek mythology, you have Sisyphus. Uh, how do you say Sisyphus in Spanish? Uh, you say Sisypho. Sisypho. Typical translation to Spanish. Sisyphus, I think, is the Latin way of saying it. And the English way. Yeah, but what's, what's the connection between Sisyphus and the plans, the big plans you have for the weekend? You forgot to tell us what your big plans are. You owe it to your audience. I, I owe it to my audience. Se lo debo a mi público oyente. Do I owe my audience anything? Yes. Well, what do I owe them? I'm giving them English classes for free on the radio. I'm giving free English classes. My audience owes me something. I don't owe the audience anything. I mean, less than 1% of the audience buys a book from our company or an English class. So 99.5% of my audience gets free English instruction every day, 24 hours a day on Vaughn Radio. So do I owe my audience anything? Okay. I owe my audience the best effort possible, but I don't, I don't do that for my off, for my audience. I do it for myself because to make the best effort possible is something that's fun.
<laughs> it's fun. So it's, I egoistically, selfishly do the best I can because to do the best you can, you can is a lot more interesting and stimulating and a lot more fun, uh, than the minimum effort. Yeah, esfuerzo mínimo. El mínimo. How do you say? La ciencia del mínimo esfuerzo. The, the law or the sign, la ley. The law of the minimum effort. That's not fun. <laughs> and it's more difficult. It's more difficult to make the minimum effort to get by than to make the best effort possible. So, I'm go, I'm taking the easy route. Soy tomando la ruta más fácil. I'm taking the easy route. The difficult route is to try to get by making the minimum effort. To get by is to manage. Salir del paso. Apañarse uno. Con el mínimo esfuerzo. That's difficult to do, eh? That requires a sharp mind and thinking how to, how to achieve results with the minimum. How to achieve the minimum necessary results with the minimum necessary effort. But if you make a strong effort, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and it's easier. It's, so I take the easy route. Uh, but Richard, you were talking about your weekend. No, I wasn't. I didn't tell you what I was planning to do this weekend. I only told you that I have big plans for the weekend. And you, like a nose, the typical nosy person you are, nosy means cotilla, fisgon, mentes la donde no debes. That's a nosy person. You want to know what I'm going to do this weekend. And I say, I do I owe you that information? I mean... After four days, Monday to Thursday, after four days of drudgery. Yeah, but you didn't explain what drudgery means. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I told you what drudgery means. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I said, trabajo pesado, penoso y arduo, monótono, uno se aburre. And it says it's like the life of Sisyphus. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah. Como la vida de Sisypho. Yeah, but I don't remember. Who, who, who was Sisyphus? Well, I, I, I opened the debate whether Sisyphus is dead or still alive. Whether Sisyphus is mortal or immortal. Is Don Quixote mortal or immortal? I mean, Don Quixote de la Mancha. El caballero errante, the errant knight, yes, writing wrongs, excuse me, to right wrongs. Here I use the word right, right is correcto, lo el bien, right, what is right and what is wrong, lo, lo que está bien y lo que no está bien. The, the difference between right and wrong is in la diferencia entre el bien y el mal. The difference between good and bad or the difference between right and wrong. And Don Quixote de la Mancha, he was insistent on righting wrongs. Desfacer en tuertos. Mm, yeah, it's a good translation. Well, of course, in uh, the Don Quixote was written in Spanish. So Miguel de Cervantes did not say righting wrongs. He said desfacer en tuertos. All right. I think it says en tuertos, right? Or desfacer. I can't remember. Desfacer en tuertos, yes. All right. And that's what Don Quixote did. 
to right wrongs. Hacer bien algo que está mal is to right wrongs. Now, we don't use that in normal language, but we use it referring to Don Quixote. To live the impossible dream, to right wrongs. And so he is immortal. Don Quixote de la Mancha is immortal. He will, maybe he will live forever. He will live forever in the minds of people who appreciate literature and who appreciate human philosophy and the human uh, effort. And so, as long as the humans exist and appreciate a human effort, well, Don Quixote will be immortal. And so is Sisyphus. So, you say Sisyphus is a Greek, a character from Greek mythology. Mythology, con teachi, mitologia, o mythologia, mythology. Yes, he's a character from Greek mythology. And what's the connection with the big plans you have for this weekend? <laughs> Look, for the, do you want me to explain it for the third time? My God, you're not listening to me. I said, today's Friday, which means the weekend <clears throat> is upon us. The weekend is just around the corner. Upon. Yeah, escrito upon. The weekend is upon us means tenemos el fin de semana ya encima. Esperando. The weekend is upon us. And or it's just around the corner. A la vuelta justa la esquina. And so I have big plans for this weekend. And I need this weekend after four days or five days of drudgery. Oh, yeah. Now remember, and I said, what does drudgery mean? Traco arduo, penoso, cuesta arriba, cuesta arriba, uphill. Yes, this week has been uphill for me like Sisyphus. Oh, sea, trabajo penoso arduo, cuesta arriba. Yeah. What's the connection with Sisyphus? All right. I'll explain finally. Sisyphus is a Greek, is a character from Greek mythology. Now, Sisyphus offends the gods. Oh, the gods. Los dioses. Yes. Zeus, Hera, Aphrodite, uh, Ares, you know, the Greek gods. Di uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Athena, 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 and all the members of the family of Olympus. Well, it seems that Sisyphus offended the gods. How did Sisyphus, Sisyphus offend the gods? I don't remember. He did something. How did Sisyphus offend the gods? King Sisyphus, el rey Sisypho, promoted navigation and commerce but was avaricious, avaricious and deceitful. Wow. Era avaro e engañoso. Engañaba. He killed guests and travelers in his palace. All right. And the gods got angry with him. So he was a bad guy. Sisyphus. <laughs> All right, because he, he attracted his guests to his ship for navigation, and then he killed the travelers. Yes, and the guests in his palace. 
violating Xenia, which fell under Zeus's domain, and so he angered the god Zeus, Theus. Zeus got angry. And he said, okay, Sisyphus, enough is enough. Enough is enough means yes, I'm in. I'm going to do something about this. You have offended me. You have offended me. And you're going to pay a heavy price. You're going to pay a heavy price for, for offending me. And so Zeus, who was all-powerful, of course, Todo Poderoso, he was the king of the gods, uh, he condemned Sisyphus to pushing a boulder up the mountain. A boulder is un pedrusco muy grande. Algo redondo en este caso. And so poor Sisyphus, you know, had to push that boulder up <clears throat> to the top of the mountain. But just before reaching the top, he, he loses control of the boulder and it goes tumbling down to the bottom again. <clears throat> and so Sisyphus has to turn around <clears throat> and go back down and find the boulder and start pushing it back up again only to lose control of it once again, and it goes tumbling down the mountain to the foot of the mountain, al pie de la montaña, to the foot. And again, Sisyphus has to turn around and go back down and then uh, resume, resume, escrito resume, aquí en español, super falso amigo aquí. Resumir es hacer sumario, un resumen. But in English, to resume, escrito resume, con ese zumbido, como la acepta, resume means reanudar, empezar de nuevo, to resume. And, um, and so he has to go back down and resume the task. Eternally, he never reaches the top. Every time he's just getting close to his objective, he loses control of the boulder and it tumbles back down. And so... That's drudgery. That's our lives. Every Monday morning, we start pushing the boulder back up. And we reach Friday. Uh, and fr Well, Friday. And we have the weekend. And we enjoy Saturday. We enjoy Sunday. But then phew, we lose control of the boulder. You see. And then we have to go back down. That's Monday morning. And start pushing that boulder back up. And that's what we call drudgery. Trabajo arduo, penoso. Yeah. Aburrido. And so that's life, isn't it? Now, when we retire, perhaps at age 65, age 68, or whatever, uh, supposedly, se supone, supposedly we reach the top of the mountain. Ah, we don't have to go back down. But then many people don't know how to live on the top of the mountain. They don't know what to do. And they die quickly. Because the only thing they know how to do is to push a boulder up a hill. And so, drudgery. That's drudgery. You wanted to, to know my definition of drudgery? Well, it's the life of Sisyphus. Yeah, but you still haven't told us what you're going to do this weekend. Well, why should I? Otra vez, morir, die. No, no, it should die. It should, why should I? Porque he de deciros mis planes. 
contaros mis planes. ¿Por qué debería yo? Why should I? Should I? Why should I? Should I? Should I? Why should I tell you what I'm going to do this weekend? Do I owe you? The do I owe you uh, an explanation? Do I owe you? Owe. O-W-E is deber, cuando debes un favor, debes dinero. Richard, how much money do you owe to the banks? Uh, I don't know any money. I don't have any debts. Debt is con B muda. D-E-B-T. Recordad, please. No se dice debt. It's debt. La B es super muda, silenciosa. Debt. Debt. Many, many people in Spain, working in the financial world, mispronounce this word, and they, they many people who speak English well mispronounce this word because nobody has corrected them. It's a silent B. Similar to the word duda, doubt. Doubt has a silent B. Yo dudo que tu deuda sea real. I doubt that your debt is real. All right, so, big plans for this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I have really big plans for this weekend. I'm planning to transform this weekend into the most stimulating two-day period imaginable. Doing what? Uh, watching TV, playing solitaire, finishing a book I'm reading about geo, geostrategy and geopolitics. Well, about geography, basically. And the vital and influential importance of geography in world history and in current world history. It's a very interesting book. And But I have so many interesting books to read that I would need 20 lives to, to read all the books. But as I get older, I have more and more trouble staying awake when I start reading. I start falling asleep after three pages. And so I, I have to figure out a way, you know, I have to figure out a way to do it. I think the best time for me to read a book is when I need to go to sleep. I need to go to bed. And uh, that's when I should start reading. Because once I start reading, I start feeling. In fact, I remember a woman who suffered amnesia. Excuse me, amnesia. She suffered uh, insomnia. And so she said she read about over 200 novels over a period of 10 or 15 years simply to, to solve her problem of insomnia. I'll be right back. ¿Qué es eso? Una amapola. ¿Y eso? Otra amapola. Este verano, apúntelos a un campamento en el que se divierten de verdad. Apúntelos a un campamento de inglés Baugan. Llámanos al 91-133-5832 y te informaremos sin ningún compromiso. 91-133-5832. Imagina poder comunicarte con total soltura. Sin miedos, con confianza. La barrera psicológica 
la romperás definitivamente en tan solo seis días. Manda a Vaughantown a un amigo empleado que esté desesperado con el inglés y obsérvale seis días después. El cambio que verás te sorprenderá. La inversión en tiempo y dinero tendrá un retorno impresionante. Allí, entre angloparlantes de los más variopintos, avanzarás mil kilómetros en confianza, convicción y aplomo. Dominarás sus entornos de comunicación a pesar de un dominio aparentemente imperfecto del inglés. Ni seis meses en el extranjero da lo que seis días dan en Bowentown. El MIP o Máster en Inglés Profesional está diseñado para los alumnos más exigentes, para aquellos cuyo futuro profesional requiere un alto nivel de inglés hablado y escrito, para aquellos que están dispuestos a ponerse en serio con el inglés con dedicación exclusiva. Se trata de un programa intensivo de cinco meses de duración que al finalizar el alumno habrá estado en contacto con el inglés durante más de mil horas, repartidas entre clases presenciales, horas de estudio y horas de inmersión en Baugantau. Y recuerda que tienes una prueba de nivel gratuita para determinar tu nivel de inglés oral y escrito. Llámanos ahora al 911-335833. 911-335833. Me apunté al curso trimestral porque quería mejorar el inglés, lo que pasa que no estaba muy convencido porque no tenía muy claro si iba a ser una clase pues aburrida y monótona que hemos tenido siempre pues en el instituto que al final no, no te motiva nada pero el primer día que nos metimos ahí y el profesor nos empezó a meter caña pues vi que eso pues no iba a ser para nada monótono Cursos trimestrales de Baugan 911335833 o grupobaugan.com una semana en un lugar apartado. Nativos angloparlantes de todas partes del mundo, uno por cada estudiante. Terminantemente prohibido hablar en español. Actividades organizadas y conversaciones en inglés a todas horas. No exageramos. Aquí o hablas inglés o hablas inglés. Y da igual las veces que te lo contemos. Hasta que no lo vivas no sabrás que Baugantown te va a quitar el miedo al inglés para siempre. Lo que pasa en Baugantown no se puede contar. Tienes que vivirlo. Ven a Baugantown. Más información, grupobaugan.com. Alicante, Barcelona, Bilbao, Valladolid, Valencia, Vigo, Santander, Zaragoza y Madrid. Ven a vernos a cualquiera de nuestras academias de inglés Baugan. Ven a vernos sin ningún compromiso. Queremos conocerte. Infórmate en grupobaugan.com. Aquí llega Lorena Martínez con la última pregunta del examen. Vaya, parece que le ha caído el pass perfect. Lorena lleva toda la temporada entrenando el pass perfect, pero nunca ha sido su punto fuerte. ¡Wow! Eso es Lorena. Vamos, vamos. Field de gap, Lorena. ¡Wow! Increíble. Has acertado todas, todas. ¡Qué barbaridad! Señoras y señores, qué crack el examen es de 10. Consigue que tus hijos sean unos auténticos cracks del inglés. Con los cursos del Club Junior no solo mejorarán sus notas, sino que hablarán inglés de verdad y serán capaces de comunicarse. Y por si eso fuera poco, lo pasan genial en clase. Club Junior son las clases para niños de 4 a 17 años en grupos muy reducidos y 100% método Baugan. Infórmate ya en el 911335832, 911335832 o en grupobaugan.com. to Richard Vaughn Live.
Hello and welcome back. Okay, I promised not to talk about the weekend, although uh, during the break I received an email from a person who asked, well, what book is it? What What's the book that you're finishing? I'm finishing a book called The Revenge of Geography. I said I was talking about, I was reading a book about polit- ge- geography and geopolitics. Really, more than geopolitics, it's just geography. It's called The Revenge of Geography. A good translation. I think the tra- I think the book in yeah, the book exists in Spanish called La Venganza de la Geografía. You know, but I'm not. You know, the revenge of geography, La Venganza. I don't like that translation. La revancha el desquite de la geografía. What the, the the author is Robert Kaplan. Kaplan con K. Kaplan. Como suena. Kaplan pero con K. Robert Kaplan. He was a a uh, very well-known, uh, say, writer and thinker in <clears throat> questions of geostrategy and geopolitics and geography in general, uh, politics. And the revenge of geography, he's just telling you that even today, uh, with high-tech technology and with communications we have in the fast transportation and everything, geography still plays a very influential role in how the world uh, evolves and how the world will continue to evolve. And so I recommend it if you're interested in these types of... It's a very good book. It was published in uh, 2013, so it was published nine years ago. And so he makes reference certain to historical moments and events of recent history uh, that are... It's a bit different now. Now the United States is no longer in Afghanistan they pulled out last September, uh, last uh, August. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden pulled out of us Afghanistan. See, they pull out. Se retiró todas las tropas y lo hizo de prisa corriendo y mal. All right. Last August, we call that a pullout, una retirada. To re- to uh, to surrender. Excuse me, surrender. No, to retreat. To retreat. Is batirse en retirada. That's to retreat. Now, to withdraw is retirar tropas. Bueno, to withdraw is retirar. You can retirar fondos de tu cuenta bancaria is to withdraw money from your bank account. Draw, como dibujar? The verb to draw. To draw has at least three meanings. A draw. Draws, of course, is dibujar. To draw. To draw is sacar, como sacar agua de un pozo. To draw water from the well. Sacar una conclusión, to draw a conclusion. Con las conclusiones, you can reach a conclusion, you can come to a conclusion, you can arrive at a conclusion, and you can draw a conclusion. The most common is to reach a conclusion. Literalmente, alcanzar una conclusión. In Spanish, usually you say, llegar a una conclusión. In English, we used to say to reach a conclusion cuando llegas a dicha conclusión. We say to reach a conclusion. But then we have the expression to, to draw a conclusion, and you have the expression sacar una conclusión. And what's the difference between llegar una conclusión y sacar una conclusión? It's interesting. Because one is you reach a conclusion. Ah, uh, aha, this. But you draw a conclusion gives the idea that you think about it and you ponder on the variables and finally you come to 
a final conclusion. So it's more like a process. Reach a conclusion doesn't necessarily imply a process, but to draw a conclusion implies a process of thinking and pondering and wondering. And so you draw a conclusion. All right, so to reach a conclusion and to draw a conclusion, to draw has another meaning. To draw, of course, is dibujar, is to draw water from the well, to draw a conclusion. And then also to draw is sacar la pistola del, o la revolver y matar al malo en el viejo oeste, to draw. He's the fastest draw in the West, to draw. <laughs> yeah, quick draw McGraw. So draw, D-R-A-W, draw. And the past tense is drew. All right, now, the definition of draw. All right. In, in, in Spanish, let's find in Spanish, to draw, dibujar, muy bien. Sacar, desenvainar. Okay. So, atraer, to draw people to me. That's my job on the radio, is to draw people to me and to listen to this program. Ah, draw es también empatar. It's a draw. Yes. It's a draw. All right. But in any case, so, to draw conclusions, and so, to draw conclusions about geopolitics, geostrategy, and things, Robert Kaplan, in his books, I'm finishing it. I will, how, Richard, how many pages do you have left in the book? How many pages do I have left? I have probably about six or seven pages only. Yeah. And why didn't you finish those pages yesterday? Because I started falling asleep. And I wasn't able to assimilate what I was reading. I said, wait a minute. Let me go back and read that paragraph again. I, don't, I have no idea what I just read. I have no idea. No tengo ni idea. I have no idea what I have just read. Red. No tengo ni idea de lo que acabo de leer en este último párrafo. Los americanos y probablemente cada vez más los británicos también iríamos al pasado simple. No tengo ni idea de lo que justo leí, o sea, lo que acabo de leer. I have no idea what I just read. Now, a purist, con razón, eh? a purist will correctly say no, Richard. I have no idea what I just read, no. I have no idea what I have just read. So if you want to be a purist, then you re need to conjugate. Acabar por más infinitivo. Acabo de leer, acabo de venir, acabo de llegar. Is I have just arrived, I have just read, I have just seen, I have just started. Acabo de empezar, etc., etc. But I would say probably 90% of the people are 100 say I just started. Justo empecé. Acabo de empezar. I just started. I just started my program. I just started my second half hour. Okay, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish that book. I only have six pages left. Six or seven pages left. Yes. And the last section is a very interesting section because it's about the geographical, about North America. North America includes Canada, the United States, and Mexico. And especially about... Uh, the border between the United States and Mexico. It's a very long border. How long is the border between, you know, I think it's about oh, maybe 2,000 kilometers. You know, how long, how long is the U.S. 
Mexican border in in kilometers, not in miles. Mexican border in kilometers. I say 2,000. Let's see what I'm going to look at Ethan Aki. Wow. 3,000. It's 2,000 miles. Eh? 3,145 kilometers. All right. The border between the United States and Mexico stretches, says Tira, <laughs> stretches 3,145 kilometers. Of course, part of the border is the Rio Grande River. Fíjate en inglés, decimos el Rio Grande Rio, the Rio Grande River, which in Mexico is called the Rio Bravo, the Rio Grande River. And, of course, the Rio Grande River meanders. Yeah, you see. How do you say to meander? You say meandra. Meandros? Los meandros, you say. But do you have a verb, to meander? I don't know. To meander. Do you have the verb to meander? Meander, in English. To wander, meander, deambular. Bueno, sí. Pero no dices que el río vagabundeo deambula. O callejea, serpentea, eso sí. Serpentear is to meander. Yes. Pero tenéis el, el sustantivo meandro. Pero no decís meanderar. Okay. You say serpentear. Of course, I think if, if the Rio Grande River, <laughs> así lo decimos, the Rio Grande River, if the Rio Grande River were a straight line, probably the border between Mexico and the United States wouldn't be 3,145 kilometers. It would probably be, probably be about 2,500 because uh, the Rio Grande meanders quite a lot. And that adds kilometers, of course, you see. But nevertheless, it's a very, very big border. There, but there are only four states. Only four states share a common border with Mexico. Only four states share a common border with Mexico. And those states from east to west are Texas, um, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Now, on the eastern limit... You have Brownsville and Port Isabel, Puerto Isabel in Texas. And uh, Matamoros, Matamoros uh, in Mexico. Matamoros is a very important city in Tamaulipas. That's the a state right on the, on the Gulf of Mexico. And it shares a common border with southern Texas at the mouth of the Rio Grande, the Rio Grande River. La desembocadura, we say la boca. Simplemente la boca. Como boca de metro, boca de río. The mouth, or the delta. The Rio Grande Delta, pero tiene poco delta. <laughs> and so, um, so on one side you have Brownsville. Brownsville, la villa del señor Moreno. Brownsville. And Port Isabel. I've been there. And I've been to Matamoros, too. And on the opposite side... You know, on the western limit, the Pacific Ocean, you have uh, San Diego, California, San Diego, and Tijuana. And so, 
It's a, and it's a very, very long border. It's a very porous border. Poroso. That means people move back and forth. Most of the border is in the middle of the desert. The, this here to the Sonora, the Sonora Desert, Chihuahua. Let, let me look at a, let's open up a map and look at uh, the map of between the United States and Mexico. It's very, very long. Let's see. Let's find Tijuana. Tijuana. And we'll start with California. It's right on the border. And just north, you have San Diego. Y un barrio de San Diego que se llama Chula Vista. <laughs> Chula Vista. Chula Vista. Chula Vista, California. It's interesting. Chula Vista, fundado en 1911. Let me find the English version. Chula Vista. It is the second largest city in the San Diego metropolitan area. All right. It's the 15th largest city in the state of California. Population of Chula Vista? Let's see. The population is 275,000 people. All right. Pretty big. Yes. Jose Maria, Jose Maria Estudillo. Y la familia Estudillo the, was a powerful California clan, clan in Southern California during the Spanish, uh, when the Spanish were uh, predominant in that area. Chula Vista. I like the name Vista Chula. Chula Vista. <laughs> I, I've never been. I've been to San Diego. But I've never been to Chula Vista because that's in the south, just south of San Diego. And I've never been south of the city. I've been north of the city in La Jolla, very, a very popular place. And in San Diego proper, in the center of San Diego. But I've never been south in the southern part of greater San Diego. But you know, you can start and you can see the common border uh, that... Uh, that um the that California shares with uh Mexico. And then you enter Arizona and the most important border town the most important border town is Nogales. You have Nogales on one side and Nogales on the other. So you have two Nogales. One is called Nogales Heroica or Heroican Nogales. And then you continue moving east, and finally you reach you reach the state of New Mexico. And south of New Mexico, you have Chihuahua. Yes. And then finally, you reach the Rio Grande River and Texas in Ciudad Juarez on one side, and El Paso on the other, El Paso, Texas. Yes. Aquí dice Ciudad Juarez, No, no, ya lo veo, Ciudad Juarez. Ciudad Juarez is named after a very famous uh, Mexican lawyer and politician by the name of Benito Juarez. Uh, Benito Juarez was, a, well, the, I would say, probably the most important person in Mexico in the 1860s and 1870s. After, the, after um, Santana, General Santana, and then Benito Juarez became the most important, especially in the struggle to defeat the French because the French invaded, successfully invaded Mexico. I think in 1860, 1863, I don't remember, 
Most people in Europe don't remember. Yeah, when did the French invade Mexico? I think it was 1862, 1863. I can't remember. 1861. Okay. When did the French invade Mexico? 1861. And they took control of Mexico for a period of four or five years or six years. Yeah. One of the strangest wars in modern times, the Second French Empire landed its troops in Mexico in 1861, which was the beginning of a bloody war that would drag on for another six years. Okay. The high point for the French came in the summer of 1863 when they managed to capture the capital and to install their own regime. Aha, uh-huh. I was right in part. In 1863, they successfully took Mexico City and installed su propio régimen, their own regime. Fíjate cómo se pronuncia régimen, régimen político. No un régimen de ejercicios. Eso sí. We have two words. Para, para régimen, there are two words in English. Un régimen autoritario, dictatorial, etc. is regime. Por ejemplo, régimen de Franco. The Franco regime. Regime. Se pronuncia un poco a lo francés. La G. Je suis. Je. O como los argentinos. Yo hablo castellano. Castellano. Yo. Regime. Regime. That's one way. When we're talking about a political, usually authoritarian uh, government that established itself for a long period of time, that's called a regime. But then we have the regimen, y la gente se endurece. Bueno, es una jefe suave, pero inglesa, no pseudo-francesa. Regimen, regimen, regimen. And we use that for a regimen, un régimen de ejercicio, de actividad, a regimen. Or a type of una dieta, story regimen. It's a regimen and things. But although we usually say diet, here you say, estoy siguiendo un régimen uh, estricto de verduras, or a vegan regimen. In English, we usually say diet, dieta, in this case. But uh, the French landed in Mexico, the second French empire. You'll remember that France has basically two empires, uh, the Napoleonic Empire in the first 15 years of the 19th century, and then the second empire, which was from uh, 1852 to 1870, a period of 18 years, under Napoleon's nephew, su sobrino, Luis Napoleon, Napoleon, and so on. He established, he, he, it's interesting, he was the prime minister of France, basically, I think, between 1848 and 1852, for a period of about four years, Louis Napoleon was the prime minister, and he executed, organized, and successfully executed a, a coup d'etat. A coup d'etat is un golpe de estado. In Francais, coup, coup d'etat. Pronunciado coup d'etat. And in English, we use that word, coup d'etat. We use the French word because in the English language, the history of Anglo-Saxon countries, there have been no coup d'etats except maybe once, and that was uh, Oliver Cromwell taking over the government in London in 1640, 
two, I don't remember, uh, when they um, executed the king, King uh, Charles, this uh, Charles the second, I think, no Charles the first, Charles the first, King Charles the first. When was when was Charles the first? Uh, when was Charles first executed? Yes. 1649. Okay. He was, uh, Charles I on January 30, 1649. Now, when did Cromwell take over, take power? When did he take power? 1653. Okay, a little bit later. All right. Oliver Cromwell. So that was a, probably the only time that in, in the English language we had the type of phenomenon uh, that was c- c- very common in other countries on the European continent. Gorpes de esto. And so we use the word cu, cu, coup, escrito, repito, pero significa golpe en francés. And we say cu. There was a coup. There was a coup in Bolivia last year. Not true. When was the last coup in Latin America? Latin America hasn't had many coups in recent history, in very recent history. I mean, um, Maduro is not really a coup. He simply took over after the death of uh, Hugo Chavez. And Hugo Chavez wasn't a coup either, really, because he was elected in the 1990s. And... uh, and he was re-elected, even though perhaps the elections were rigged. Now, that's an interesting word, rig. Donald Trump uses it a lot <laughs> concerning the elections uh, last year. Rig, R-I-G, rig, plataforma petrolífera, cuando es sustantivo, an oil rig. Yes, very common. If you're in the world of oil, you know the word rig. Now, to rig is armar y estar equipar, por eso se llama all right. But to rig means arreglar o amañar. Amañar mejor. Manipular, amañar. To rig. And we use it especially with elections. Son, han sido elecciones amañadas. Rigged. So. And so Maduro, no, este Chavez, Hugo Chavez, um, rigged the elections, according to many people. But Jimmy Carter was there to observe, and he said it was okay. But Jimmy Carter is the most naive president the United States has ever had. So it's interesting. Uh, but we say a coup. A government overthrow. Oh, to overthrow the government. We say to overthrow as well. Derrocamiento. Derrocar is to overthrow. And now, as usual... I have forgotten what I was talking about. No, I was talking about Mexico and about Benito Juarez. Remember, we were going along the border because the United States and Mexico share 3,000 kilometers of border, a common border. And and so um, we reached the city of Juarez, Ciudad Juarez, which is a very important city. I mean, the population is about two or three million. It's a pretty big city. And it's named after Benito Juarez. 
Juarez. So, let's find out what the population is of Tierra Juarez. All right, let's look at the population. It's a very dangerous city, and there's a lot of crime. Población un y medio. All right. I would imagine that greater Tierra Juarez is much bigger. It's, it's much bigger than El Paso. All right, city. La met, the metropolitan area, la zona metropolitana, decimos en inglés para... The, the, the area of influence is 2.5 million. 2.5 million. Now, just across the border of El Paso, El Paso, Texas, and greater El Paso, greater El Paso, quickly before the music, before I have to... Greater El Paso. What's the population? Just a second, Nacho. Uh, 870,000 people. The metropolitan area. So it's quite a bit smaller. Quite a bit smaller than Ciudad Juarez on the other side of the border. I'll be right back. (laughs) 